It uh, marks the end of the summer and the start of school. Aren't you glad? All your parents are glad about that. Uh, I tell you, also, one of the most important things that probably Labor Day is connected with is that uh, football season is finally starting. Hey, yeah, ah, yeah. Man, I'm tired of watching Naked and Afraid. You know what I'm saying? You don't watch that. Boy, TV, ain't you, there is nothing on TV, man. When, you, when football season is over, you just go into hibernation. And, and the wife takes over and turns it to QVC or HSN or something like that. And, and that's about the only thing going on that's new. I mean, the rest is just all reruns of uh, Desperate Housewives and all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in. It's the man's church. Just remember that. Don't want you to get too far out there just because there's a few women on the platform. <laughs> yeah, right? That's how you handle it, guys. Come on, men. Four men in the whole place, yeah. <laughs> They're all gone, yeah. How many of you received, let me be honest, how many have you received your uh, Labor Day cards in the mail? Anybody? Wait a minute. Now, let me ask you, uh, how, many have you ha how many of you have sent happy Labor Day cards? None? That's probably the reason you didn't get any. <laughs> how many of you have decorated your house for Labor Day? Labor Day is really a flop, isn't it? <laughs> we celebrate Labor Day and find ways to get out of work. Isn't that true? You know, we're going to, this is Labor Day. Well, if you, you know, if you really celebrate Labor Day and you're all crazy about work, we should all work today, right? It don't, that's not the way it works. Labor Day is actually a, a, an excuse to get out of working. <laughs> Man, how many have you, how many of you have wished somebody a happy Labor Day today? All right, everybody stand up. We're going to do this. Everybody stand up. I want you to turn to your neighbor and wish them a happy Labor Day right now. Happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. Oh, man, it's a great day, isn't it? Happy Labor Day. Woo! Work, 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 you know. <laughs> happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to you guys. Happy Labor Day. Now, don't... <laughs> Labor is really a flop. There's nothing associated. There, there's nothing actually associated with the holiday of Labor Day except not working. Now, if you study about Labor Day, it, it's, it's a strange holiday. And, uh, but for farmers and ranchers, they're working today. They're feeding their cows and they're doing the harvest. Uh, I notice the trucks are still on the road driving trucks. Uh, you know, uh, for a lot of people, Labor Day is just another day of work. Now, for the law enforcement, it's not a good day uh, for people to have to get out there in the traffic and worry about, you know, the DUIs and all that stuff. It's a bad day. It's a bad weekend for the church. Oh, yeah, Labor Day is a bad weekend for the church because everyone wants to get away for that last fling of the summer, you know. We've got, we've got $5 we haven't spent yet, and we've got a little bit left on the credit card, so we're going to use this. To, we're going to get away, all right? So, you know, it's... it's uh, 
This is the last three-day holiday before everybody has to really knuckle down, isn't it? Uh, Labor Day is really designed to give union workers and uh, government officials, those who work in banks. It, you know, have you noticed banks use any excuse in the world to close? Close all the time, man. Schools. I better skip across that one because it's got too many people work for schools. There's a few businesses that also recognize the holiday of Labor Day, and they give their employees an extra day off for the weekend. And uh, But basically, Labor Day is one of those holidays that doesn't get too much write-up in the paper about. It's just another day off work. It's just another day, uh, another three-day weekend. The Scripture has a lot to say about work. We're going to talk about work today. has a lot to say about work, and especially how to keep a balance between work and and rest, and greed, I might say. The wise man wrote in Ecclesiastes, and when he, when he began to write about things under the sun, and if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll find out that uh, repeatedly it talks about under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. In other words, the wise man was looking at life from a perspective, not necessarily a godly perspective, but he was just looking at life in general and how life plays out, things under the sun. And he writes this, he said, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But notice it goes on to say, But the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 12. But the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Now, when you are working, if you are not careful or if you are not careful, this is probably one of the biggest problems in America. As we begin to prosper, because we do not use discipline in, in our prosperity, we begin to gather a bunch of stuff up, and, we be, and then we wind up being a slave to the stuff, and now we, don't, now we no longer sleep like we have that sweet sleep of that laboring man, because now we got so much stuff and so many bills and we're stressed, now we have a hard time sleeping. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 4 just simply says this, Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. He is not saying that we are not supposed to prosper. Don't get that in your head. He is not saying we're not supposed to prosper. Prosperity will happen to you over the course of your life. And by understanding how to take care of what God is blessing you and giving you, uh, you know, to prosperity. But be careful in the, in, as you go through and as you work and as you begin to accumulate some stuff that you don't become a slave to your stuff. And then begin to lose sleep and worry about how you're going to keep your stuff. Most of us would probably be a lot better off without some stuff that we have. We are to be spirit controlled. We are to be, not to be greed or stuff controlled. We are to be spirit controlled. In our modern world, there's a lot of controversy over this thing called work. Some want to work less and make more. Yeah, that sounds good. One guy came to the, uh, to the HR, the human resource person in their job, on their job, and said, you know, he said, I'm really, I, I really think we re need to renegotiate uh, what I'm making. I think I need, uh, you need to bump me up to about $100,000 and get me a, a corner office with a, with a, a nice view. And, uh, and he began to go on and give all the things to the HR person of what he really needed. And the HR person responded and said, oh, yeah, in fact, I think, I think you need a BMW and a corporate card and a gas allowance. He said, are you kidding? He said, yeah, but you started any fun. 
<laughs> it's fun. Wanting to work less and get paid more. Uh, we have reduced the work week now down to 40 hours. Uh, it's been 40 hours quite some time, and now some want it to be 35 hours. Have you heard that? They wanted to reduce the work week down to 35 hours. I thought, I used to work 35 hours in two days. I thought, ah, man. Some want the minimum wage to be $15 an hour. And, uh, you know, we got to be able to make a living. Well, if, if, well, of course, give them $15 an hour, but say goodbye to the $5 menu because it will go by the wayside. It, it is, all of this stuff has created uh, uh, quite a stir. All of this has caused some strain between employers and employees and, and sometimes to the place of almost they're antagonistic or they're at each other's throats. We've got strike, we've got unfair banners and going on and all and the rest of the stuff that, that takes place. All about work and all about what you get paid. I was, some people that I know went to work in the oil fields, I don't know how they get anything done in the oil fields. If the temperature is over 103, you work 15 minutes and get 45 off. Or something like that. They, they, they you know, and I'm thinking, paying the guys 30 bucks an hour to sit in the shade for 30 minutes out of every hour. Uh, how do they get things done? What, what, I mean, I mean, so I understand, I understand there has to be safeguards and everything like that, but I was just wondering some years ago when I was pulling a cotton sack to the field. I'm going to work 15 minutes here, and then I'm going to take 45 off on my sack. Uh, you know, things have changed, hasn't it, over the years? And I'm wondering sometimes how in the world anything ever gets done with, with all these things about work. Who started all of this stuff anyway? Who is responsible for us having to work? Now, some people think that, well, you know, work is just, you know, that, that's the curse. But that's not true, and we'll share that in a moment. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. Now, remembering, remember this, it's at, at the end of the creative week, and the last thing that God has done, he said, is we're going to create man in our image, and uh, he has created him and everything. And then notice, and God saw everything that he had made. This is Genesis 1 and 31. And indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And it says on the second, in the second verse, And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. Where did work start? It started with God. God works. He's working right now. He's creating right now. In fact, the book tells us in John chapter 14, he said, I'm going to go and Jesus said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And uh, so Jesus is working. In fact, when he was there on earth, that Jesus worked. He was a carpenter. He, he learned a trade. He was a worker. The disciples that he called were all workers. They were commercial fishermen, and all the people that followed him. Now, I don't know, some of them were tax collectors, and, and the list goes on. I don't know what all of them do, uh, but they, most of them had a trade, and they dropped, they, he called them from their businesses in order to follow them. The Apostle Paul, what kind of a job did the Apostle Paul do? Does anybody know? Talk to me. He was a tent maker. He worked, yes, he, and he talked about tithes and offers and all the other stuff, but he was a worker. He supported himself 
and the ministry is working. So God works. Jesus worked. His disciples that he called, they all work. God expects his people to work. Now, work is a four-letter word. Notice Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Now, and there's a lot of scriptures about work. And, 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 you know, if you don't work, you should not eat and all this other stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in the scriptures about working. But notice what he, what he says. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him what? What is that? That's work. Working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. There's all kinds of stuff that takes place when people are working. Now, I realize that in my life experience, in your life experience, there's times that we're looking for a job. Amen? I mean, there's been times that uh, even though uh, it's pretty tough sitting at home when there is absolutely nothing to do, you got bills coming in, it's one of the most, the, the terrible, most terrible times of your life, uh, and I've been in that situation before. So, but, so I understand the, 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 the balance that there's sometimes there, we're just without a job. And even though we're looking, there's just nothing there. But we are supposed to work and so not only be a blessing to us, but a blessing to those that are in need. Let me give you some ways real quickly this morning, some ways to look at your job. Or if you're an employer, you have a job, it, it, whether you own a business or whatever. In fact, someone said, boy, I wish I had, you know, I, I, I want to work for myself. I'm tired of working for other people. Listen, you don't know what you're getting into when you get your own job. You, then everybody becomes your boss. All, you, all your customers becomes your boss. You make your customers mad. You don't have a, you don't have a, a company anymore. So actually, when you become an employee, you need those of you that are working for a company, and you, you might be thinking that you've been taken advantage of and your boss doesn't work. I'm going to tell you what, the president didn't build that job. He did, or she did, and they work at it. They work at keeping it so they can be a blessing to you and also as a blessing to themselves. So I want you to look at some things and how to view your job. Number one, whatever your job is, view it as a blessing. Whatever your job is, you view it as a blessing. Work is not a part of the curse. Adam was given a job before sin entered the picture. He was given the responsibility of tending the garden. How many knows that's work? So he tended the garden, so work is not a part of the curse. Well, what's a part of the curse? If you read the story, he cursed the ground. Sweat is now a part of the curse. Now you're going to work, and with your work, is going to be in, you're going to have to sweat a little bit. Why? Because the ground was cursed, and in order for you to get the ground to produce and, and to yield its fruit to you, you're going to have to work a little harder getting it out. You're going to have to do some sweat now because the ground is not going to respond to you like it did before the curse. So now you're going to earn your living by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have to work at it. Adam could still get results from the ground, but now it took more labor. But work was always a blessing. God gave him a job. God gave him something to do. Why? Because he, we were made in God's image, and God works. For six days he labored, and on the seventh day he rested. Now, there's a balance there also. I should probably talk about that. Uh, because when you work, uh, you work hard, you work good, and then you take the, you had to factor in a time of rest. Me and Linda was perusing a Christian bookstore uh, somewhere over at the coast one time, and one of the titles of the book jumped out off the shelf says, The Devil Loves Tired People. When you're tired and you have not kept a balance between 
between work and, and rest, and you get tired, you make some bad decisions when you're too tired to factor stuff out. There's a time to rest. To be able to work is one of God's greatest gifts to you. Let me run that by you again. You, I want you to look at your job a little bit different after this Labor Day. For, for, the, for you to be able to work is one of God's greatest gifts to you. He has designed you with gifts and talents to be used in the process of work. In fact, your gifting or skills are what make you valuable to somebody. If you do not have, if you do not have any giftings or skills, then you would not be valuable to anyone. What makes you valuable is because you can solve someone's problem. Whether it be mentally or whatever, with your giftings, they're going to call you. They call Bill because Bill is a good welder and he knows how to, to fix stuff. He has, the, he has the expertise. He has the experience. He knows what to do, when to do it, how to do it. That's what makes him valuable. How did he get that? Well, I just studied and I learned all that. No, 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 no. Hey, back at the beginning, God gives him gifts and talents to be used. He gives you gifts and talents to be used. It's what makes you valuable in the kingdom. It's what makes you valuable to those that you work for. Make looks good on your resume. Have you ever noticed that you never read anything bad on resume? Nobody ever puts anything bad on resume. I read some of those preachers' resumes when they try out for churches. Chuckle, chuckle. It's probably the 40th church you're trying out for, but they don't put that down. There's reasons why they do that. <laughs> Secondly, view your job as a bridge. Now, I want you to get this. And, and those of you that are journaling, you put that down. View your job as a bridge. Your job will be a bridge for you to use to accomplish many things, not just one thing. Your job is going to uh, provide for you and your family, and, and it, it will it be a means of prospering for you. But there, there's more uh, that's going to be taking place in that job uh, than, you, than you know. Number one, how you do your job will earn you a good or bad reputation. How you do your job will earn you a good or bad reputation. You are making the reputation of your life and how you do your job. You're either going to be known for a good worker or a bad worker. Some workers are a legend in their own mind. <laughs> I think that would be the flesh, Lord. I'm almost tempted. I'm not going to. There is a, I don't know if Brother Lawson is here today, but uh, Brother Lawson works in, in rock, laying rock and uh, slump stone, all this stuff. He did all this. But he has worked in the trade for years, and he's done churches all across the country. And you can drive by those churches, and you can say, Brother Lawson has been there. Well, he's been there. That's Brother Lawson's work. You, the reputation he has built for, because he does a unique style of rock work. And you can recognize it by just going around. How you and I do our job will, will make us a, a good or bad reputation. Some people are good at starting but never finishing. Notice the, the Scripture says, on the sixth day he finished his work. It would be great for some of us to just finish what we start. God is a finisher. 
We are made in His image. If someone gives you a job, then make sure you finish what they give you to do. There has to be a point in time when you move to another project, but, but, but get your job done and finish it, and then you can rest. Boy, it's quiet today, but that's okay. I'll go ahead. And secondly, view your job as a bridge. It will allow you to prosper so that you can help minister to the needs of others. God wants to prosper you. God wants to be able to pour finances through you. Why? Not just to be a blessing to your family and, and, and for your retirement and so on, but there's needs of people around you. How many has ever needed a hand up? I've been there where I need a hand up. If, if, so what, what's to take place? When you're going through this life, you will, God will make sure if you're faithful in your finances, you'll have more and enough to spare so that you can help somebody along the way. When you, just remember when you needed that hand up. Now, I'm not talking about people that there's some people that's continually going to be there, and the reason they're there is because they've never learned the work ethic to, to stick it out and to tough it out and to keep the job until something better comes along. All right, and, 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 and we understand that, and you and I have to deal with those issues, but they're just some honest, good people that's just had, had a, a bad break and just needs a hand up, been there, done that. Amen? And the third thing, it is one of the main sources of how unbelievers are introduced to the reality of Jesus Christ. Now, most of the people you work with are not just going to happen to show up here on Sunday. Most of the people that you rub shoulders with on your job, uh, they're probably not, may probably not even thinking about church or whatever. But you know what's happening on your job? Your witness and the way you do your job and the attitude in which you do your job and the ethics that you use on your job, I'm telling you, is, is preaching a message. You might not be saying anything vocally with your mouth, but they are watching you, and they see something of the reality of Jesus Christ and the attitude and the way that you perform and do your job consistently day after day, day after day, even when, even when the boss is good to you or even when the boss is bad to you and when you're passed up for that promotion and all those things and, and you react in a godly way, you are introducing those people to the reality of Jesus Christ. Amen? So it's a witness. It's a bridge to the unbelievers. Thirdly, whatever your job is, take it seriously. Whatever your job is, take it seriously. Do it right. Whether, whether the foreman's watching you or whether he's not, take it seriously. Take personal responsibility for the work. Whether it's in the limelight, whether you're out there in front, where everybody, where the, the, the spotlight is on you, or where you're doing what you're, you've been, you know, your job and is nobody's around and nobody comes by. And it might be days before you find somebody come by and give you an encouraging word. That doesn't make any difference. Take a personal, uh, uh, you know, responsibility for the work that you're doing. Someone is counting on you. I mean, I read this story and, boy, it really, it really it's a Navy story. It's a true story. The USS Astoria was the first U.S. cruiser ship to engage the Japanese during the Battle of Salvo Island in World War II. It was a night action fought August 8th and the 9th in 1942, and she was badly damaged and sank shortly after dinner on August 9th. 
About 2 a.m. in the morning of the 9th, the young seaman, third class Elgin Staples, was swept overboard when the Astoria's number one gun turret exploded. Wounded in both legs by shrapnel and in shock, Staples was kept afloat by a narrow life belt that he managed to activate with a simple trigger mechanism. He was in the water for three hours and was rescued from the water by a passing destroyer and returned to the Astoria where the captain was trying to save the ship by beaching her. The effort failed and Staples, still wearing the same life belt, found himself back in the water. Around noon, Navy Seaman, Seaman Staples was picked up again, this time by the USS President Jackson. He was one of 500 survivors of the battle. Safely on board the ship, for the first time he examined the life belt that had served him so well. It had been manufactured by Firestone Tire and Rubber Company of Akron, Ohio, and it bore a registration number. Given leave to recover from his wound, Staples went home and he told his story to his mother, who happened to work for Firestone. He asked her about the purpose of the number on the belt. And she told him that Firestone insisted on personal responsibility for the war effort and that the number was unique and assigned to only one inspector. Staples remembered everything about the belt and quoted the number to his mom. It was his mother's own personal code. And it was affixed to everything she was responsible for approving. I have a question. Do you think she was glad she had taken her job seriously? The belt that she inspected. I, I think the, probably the job of inspector was probably going to be one of the most boring jobs around just looking at stuff as it comes by in front of you. But if she hadn't took her job seriously, it could have cost her son his life. Take your job seriously. This is Labor Day. I want to do something different this morning. I want to go through a, a list, and, and uh, at the end of it, if I've left somebody out, you guys can help me. I want everyone who works in the kitchen on Sunday morning, whether setting up, cleaning, doing, I want you to come up here. I want you to come up and line up in front of this stage. Everybody that's involved, Sunday morning. I know some people are gone, and, and we can't, we can't, I mean, but those of you that are here that work on Sunday, those who help with funerals in any way, whether you're cooking pie or desserts or fixing salads, cooking, setting up, cleaning, I want you to come up here. Line up across. Everybody that's involved in funerals, and no matter what capacity, whether cleaning up, setting up, cooking, whatever. <coughs> come on. All those connected with Christian education, teachers, helpers, <clears throat> come on up here. I know they're working. I, I, I was asking Cheryl to turn them loose a little bit early. When they come in, we'll have them come. All the youth workers, everybody involved in youth, junior high, teen, everybody involved in youth, come on up here. 
Awanas, yeah, everybody involved in Awanas, any, any of the youth, any of the classes, teachers. Women's ministries, everybody involved in women ministries and men ministries, come on up here, okay? Come on up here, line up. Those of you, when I talk about women's ministries, I'm talking about the, the snow many friends. I'm talking about uh, getting away to our, our ladies' conferences and all that stuff. Come on up here. Marriage class teachers and helpers, those that teach, come on up. Sound people, computer, I want you to get out of your sound booth. Come on up here. The sound people, computer workers, tech, video, those that work with our, our videos, those that work in, in uh, the VBS, those involved in VBS, blessings, the work in the store, blessings on the side, come on up here. Come on up here. All the music ministry teams, those that sing, back up, play instruments, all that, come on up here. Come on up here and line up. All the teachers, those involved in classes, come on up here. Come on, just fill in, just keep filling in, okay? All of our councilmen, our pastors, come on up here. Ushers, door greeters, councilmen, come on up here. Staff, all of our staff, office workers, come on. Come on up here. Yeah, those that take meals to the sick, involved in taking meals to the sick, come on up here. All right, Linda, I don't want to miss anybody. Office, those that faithfully give their tithes and their offerings, support the church, come on up here. Giving, come on. Come on. You're giving to the church. Sponsor kids to camp, come on. Ha-ha! <laughs> Oh, my Jesus. Those of you that work in any capacity in the church, I want you to, I, want you, if I, I don't want to miss anybody, but you work in some capacity uh, throughout the year in the church. You come on. That's not a bad-looking crowd, is it? Have them at the beach today. They won't miss next Labor Day. We're going to, next Labor Day, we're going to give everybody 100 bucks. Hey, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to give all of you an IOU. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, listen, all of you guys, all of your labor, all of your work, all of the sweat and the toil and the giving and the sacrificing is what makes it work. And I want to wish you a happy Labor Day. And I want to give you a couple of scriptures, okay? Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10 says this, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other believers as you still do. Though those things that you're doing, though they may seem insignificant, it might seem like it might be overlooked, I'm telling you, God is writing it down. 
And he is not unjust that he will forget your labor of love because that's exactly because most of you don't receive any monetary thing for doing what you're doing. It is just simply a labor of love that you do for God. Amen? God is writing it down, and you are going, it's not going unnoticed, and it's not going to go unrewarded. Notice what 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, this is your scriptures for you. We remember before God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your labor of love, and the reason you do what you do is because you love God and you love people. Amen? Amen. I want to pray a blessing upon you guys this morning. Everybody just stand with me this morning. Will you stretch your hands this way? We appreciate, as a pastor, I appreciate everything that you do. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for all these folks. Hundreds of folks, Lord God, are involved in making the church work and meeting the needs of the kingdom and meeting the needs of people, and reaching out and touching hearts and lives from the youth, from the youngest youth to uh, the oldest adult. Those that work, and I left out those that work with the seniors, super seniors. Uh, I hope you come up here today because everybody's involved, uh, you know, working a lot with the super seniors. And, I, and I, if I've overlooked you, please come forward. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray a special blessing upon their lives today. Honor their faith and their faithfulness, and pour a special blessing out upon their life today, and honor their labor of love. Honor their labor of love. Not only now, but in the future, we're going to, we're going to receive our rewards, not only now in the lives that are changed of the people we touch, but in the future, we're going to hear a well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been, you've been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter now into the joys of your rest. In the name of Jesus, you're going to hear it. Amen? Well done. Well done. God bless you guys. You can go back to your seat. God bless all of you guys. God is good. Hey, Roy, I love you, man. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Got one more infusion to go, and it's over. All right, man. Shoot, I'll be, good. I'll be looking for a job. Huh? Oh, 